Medicare for all. Your bros can suck my balls. Fuck your reply, guys. Please don't fuck your reply, guys. Just listen to reply, guys. Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys, the leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us. I am Kate Willett. I'm Julia Clare. Julia, I have a really important question for you at the top of the show this week. Hit me. Are you ready to build back better? Are you getting excited (laughs) about it? Yeah. I, for one, simply cannot wait to build back better. And I just, I just, I'm, I so trust the people who are going to be doing the building. I can't wait for... Uh, great people like Rahm Emanuel to be at the helm of the country yet again. Or uh, Seth Harris, who is uh, the former deputy labor secretary, uh, who was also one of the architects of Prop 22. He's on the Biden-Harris transition oh my God, team. I you know, just getting that. ready to make everyone uh, an independent contractor. Oh my uh, God, so independent that- contractors for Biden. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, the thing is, is we're going to have so much fucking freedom. It's going to be amazing. I love I can't wait for all that freedom. I love freedom. I'm so excited. I, um, you know, I'm getting a Biden-Harris lower back tattoo, I think. I think that's going to be the first one that I get. I feel like this has been a week of, like, all-time bad takes okay i'm just gonna throw some of the like stupidest replies out there one it's been going around the internet that uh biden and harris are in a romantic relationship which oh my god i haven't seen that yeah it's like a meme that they're dating each other which they're not but it kind of reminded me of that moment in the primary remember when former san francisco mayor Willie Brown wrote an op-ed that was like, yeah, I fucked her. So what? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, all, it was just like all like just a, a, a basically a brag that he had had sex with Kamala Harris. Um, and uh, yeah, but uh, that was a pretty bad take. Uh, another pretty bad take. Lots of the like, it's time for everyone to make up and make peace and you can be friends with Republicans takes. And, th- you know, I mean, that's pretty dumb. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, like, I understand, like, not wanting to dehumanize people or whatever. But uh, I I don't even know if I can be friends with people who are not, like, leftist feminists. I'm not sure. I don't know. I haven't tried it in a while. Yeah. I mean, look, the most I will do in terms of reaching across the aisle is fighting for every one of those terrible people to have health care because I think they still deserve health care. But that is as far as I will go if, you know, my relationship with my parents, who are both uh, of the Republican persuasion, have been in their lives, uh, are, are any indication that my approach to relationships with with them is just beat them into submission verbally until they agree with me. Yeah. Can I read my dad's text that he sent me um, a couple days after the election? Okay. Mm -hmm. This is directly from my my boomer dad. Um, I sent uh, him a text because I know my dad is like, you know, he hates Trump. So I sent him a text that said, Trump is out. I love you. Hope you're doing well. This is how he responds. Hi, Kate. Dash. I am doing fine. I hope you are also. It is very exciting news for so many reasons and an incredible relief that Trump is out, exclamation point. (laughs) It is wonderful to see the celebration in cities around the country and the reaction from our important allies. Parentheses, quote, America is back, said Anne Hidalgo, mayor of Paris. I am anxiously awaiting the final count for Arizona and Georgia. As I'm sure you know, it looks good for both states flipping to blue. And now attention goes to... Georgia for the January 5th runoff election for their two Senate seats. Dash, I am optimistic. I will forward two articles that I think you'll find interesting. One from the Washington Post discussing the extensive executive orders being prepared for the Biden team for signature on January 20th. 
and the other Politico article about Stacey Abrams and the great work she has done in Georgia. Hope you are having a very nice Sunday. Love, comma, dad. <laughs> wow, that was a that was a, a loving manifesto. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my mom has been sending me uh, be- memes to there's one of like a super extra obese looking Trump sitting on a beach naked that okay. says Mar-a-Lago, January 21, uh, 2021. And then there's one of the Statue of Liberty firing Trump with a slingshot. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, I just feel like, you know, what's happening right now is not even, a, it's not even really about us. Uh, it is It is about the the. the the resistance boomers are are really just having an amazing time. They are and really they're having their moment, and uh, you know I, uh, I I don't agree with them, but I guess I don't know I I don't know what to say to resistance boomers. I uh, th- uh, th- thanks for coming. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my mom has sent me some amazing uh, Bernie Sanders texts because both my parents, as I mentioned, they did vote for Bernie Sanders at some point, uh, you know, in in uh, California. Um, my, and dad, my, mom my dad always... famously voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary. So, oh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. They were uh, they, they liked Bernie. They felt the burn uh, eventually after a lot of talking. And, you know, my mom would send me texts like, Biden is so fucking old, you know? <laughs> With like full boomer capitalization on everything. And I loved it so much. Um, but yeah, uh, they're, uh, I think they're pretty excited. And, you know, it's kind of a weird thing because it's like, I am obviously really depressed about Joe Biden, but it's going to be at least probably another couple of days until I start begrudging people their excitement, you know, because yeah. we have... Uh, things have been pretty fucked up and, you know, I think some people are going to take a couple of days <laughs> or maybe never uh, to uh, realize that it's still going to be pretty fucked up now. Um, it's like you, it's you, like your, your eyes adjusting to the dark. Yeah. It's going to take a few yeah. days. I mean, you know, it's to me, it's seeming like, I mean, as we suspected, right, like from the transition team, uh, that has been released so far. I mean, we are just in for, I think, four years of neoliberal austerity. They are going to do the student loan relief, and I do think that they will come up with some sort of vaccine distribution plan, but I think that that's kind of like, I think that that might be all we're getting, you know? Yeah. I, do you really think, I don't, I, I mean, I, I've been hearing more and more about student, about the $50,000 of student debt cancellation and, uh, I mean, that would change my life, but uh, I don't know how, I don't know how they're going to do, I don't know if they're going to try to do it by like executive order, if that's something that they can do by executive order. Um, I think that they're going to try to do it by executive order. I think, I think that's the plan, but TBD, if it will happen TBD. or not, you know, um, you know, I've been, we've been burned before by Joe Biden. Um, so yeah, I'm. You know, it's already. <sighs> Look, I, what I well, let's put a pin in this. I, what I will say is that your dad's text is, to me, like a political article itself. Uh, yeah. I I think your dad has a future in writing for Politico or The Hill. Um, yeah, although the, although sometimes my dad will get like a little. Uh more colloquial with it he'll text me something like stacy abrams is a really classy lady you know and he <laughs> means it in the most positive way i could mean but you know uh he thought hillary clinton was very classy very classy woman um you know and uh yeah i mean man okay but he is right about the, the i mean he gave he gave some hot information about the georgia um the Georgia Senate races, which I do want to, I do want to touch on that quickly, just because last week I had erroneously reported that, um, one of the races was called and that has since been 
kind of undone or shown not to be true. Both Senate races are heading to a runoff. Um, so that's going to be, and yeah, on, uh, as your dad said on January 5th, um, and right now Republicans have 50 senators and Democrats have 48. So this will determine the control of the Senate. And even if it's 50, 50, obviously, uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris will be the the tiebreaker should it go, should both Georgia Senate seats to go blue, which, I mean, I'm certainly going to like, I'm going to donate, I'm going to phone bank, but I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I mean, I guess, I guess the fact that they're both so close that they're going to a runoff is a, is a good sign. But um, I should say once again, that the, the Georgia Senate races are, um, between Kelly Loeffler, who is the the sitting senator who was appointed by the governor, um, and she is running against a challenge, a Democratic challenger, Raphael Warnock, and Senator David Perdue, who is running against John Ossoff, who you might remember from being um, hot and without charisma and without anything yeah. interesting to say. <laughs> I mean. It- I saw this interview with John Ossoff uh, going around online. And I mean, you know, he's just saying like all this shit, like, um, you know, I do not support the Green New Deal. I do not support Medicare for all. I don't support defunding the police. Uh, I don't support packing the courts. I don't know if I support the filibuster. And I'm like, man, what the fuck are you giving people, you know, I know. to mobilize for you, you know, I mean, which is, I guess, the subject of most of this episode. But I mean, it's just like, you know, I definitely think it's undeniably better if somehow Democrats take control of the Senate. And, um, you know, I think it's unlikely, but I, I do think it's better even with these neolibs, because the point is the like Democrats will not get the blame unless they are governing uh, with all three branches of government. Otherwise, like there's still going to be all these people that are like, oh, you know, they wanted to, but they couldn't. I mean, which will probably happen anyway. But I definitely think that like the point to prove is that neoliberalism is insufficient. You know, a lot of people have gotten there already. Um, But, you know, I think that there is a a radicalization position potential as more and more people realize the uh ineptitude the corruption um the you know spinelessness really of the democratic party and i think that that is so easy to obscure when republicans are able to obstruct as they do so i'm hoping uh the people vote their ass off or whatever (laughs) although (laughs) i don't think that they will so um yeah it's you know i i think you and i were talking uh with luke savage a few weeks ago and he had said the same uh thing particularly as it relates to would it have better would it have been better if hillary won in 2016 and he said yes because it would really starkly expose again uh as as you were saying the the insufficiency and the hollowness of of neoliberalism um, so yeah, I mean, I, for the, for that same reason, that is, uh, I mean, also I think that they, they have to, the, the people who are, who are pushing through a lot of, uh, good legislation in the house, if they push it through to the Senate and the Senate, which has, if it's 50 50 and the Senate kind of box on it, um, yeah, then I think that that is, uh, I mean, obviously that's not an ideal situation, but that is good in that it, um, exposes the, the democratic establishment and it's, uh, ineptitude. Um, I mean, not just that. It's not like it's not that they're inept, right? Because like Nancy Pelosi is actually probably pretty good at her job, which is yeah, to serve uh, the ruling class. Right? Ineptitude like, is not, probably the the wrong word. Um, yeah. 
regressiveness, I guess, uh, just like obstinance towards any sort of progress. <laughs> yeah. Queen um, of shade, servant of capital. Um, <laughs> oh, Nancy. Uh, I did see her reading, uh, for some reason, Jimmy Kimmel did a mean tweets with politicians, um, with like people sitting in government and Nancy Pelosi, when she was reading hers, was holding the phone so far away from herself. And I don't know why, but it was so funny to me. Um, yeah, but anyways, so um, our, our gal, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, very recently, you know, tweeted out a thread about the some of the attacks that have been have been levied against the left wing of the party um, in the wake of some of the members of Congress, Democratic members of Congress, losing their seats, not holding on to their seats. So AOC um, on November 6th was responding to some of the people going on, some of the, the members of the, the Democratic establishment and, you know, uh, certain both Republicans and kind of centrist center right members of the Democratic Party blaming the left for uh, congressional losses uh, during this time. Even though the Democrats kept the House, there were some uh, Democratic members who lost their seats, who did not keep their seats. So she said there are folks running around on TV blaming progressivism for Dem underperformance. Um, I think one of them in particular was Claire McCaskill, uh, yeah. who's uh, famously lost her race running as a centrist. So I don't know how she has a leg to stand on, but she loves attention. Um, so anyways, AOC said, I was She goes cur- on MSNBC oh, yeah, she, like every day. I know. You know? She is, um, you know, she is another queen of shade who is useless. (laughs) Um, And except all of her shade goes towards the left. Um, So AOC said, I was curious, so I decided to open the hood on struggling campaigns of candidates who are blaming progressives for their problems. Almost all had awful execution on digital during a pandemic. Uh, And then she kind of goes on uh, to talk about that. And like, you can't, blame the left when you have a when you're just like poorly executing your campaign you're using kind of antiquated methods to to run your campaign and um she said you know digital execution is a really big part of it but so is ideology and messaging so when you have poor digital execution combined with a lack of a cogent message yeah you're gonna lose and then she pointed out that every every congressional candidate who was running in a swing district who had endorsed Medicare for All said that they supported Medicare for All won, and all of them who said they opposed it lost. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. There's been, you know, like uh, people doing the, like, progressives suck tour. Uh, Connor Lamb um, had his... Uh, little uh piece in the new york times where he just really fucking goes at um the left wing of the party uh i'm gonna read you a quote uh what this is the reporter asked him what went wrong for house democrats when they were supposed to pick up seats he says i'm giving you an honest account of what i'm hearing from my own constituents which has a very like i was in a hipster coffee shop feeling to it right (laughs) um so he goes on, which is that they are extremely frustrated by the message of defunding the police and banning fracking. And I, as a Democrat, am just as frustrated because those things aren't just unpopular. They're completely unrealistic and they aren't going to happen. And they amount to false promises by the people that call for them. Um, you know, which is so like <laughs> the idea that like. There's, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm sure that there's a couple people, but like the idea that there are folks out there that are like, my top issue is fracking, you know? I mean, because even people who work in those industries, like a lot of them understand, you know, that 
like it's not the way that things are going and the green new deal is going to create like tons more jobs and guarantee those people employment and stuff and it's it's just not a monolith but i don't know i just love the idea of like these people that are like oh my god i fucking love uh fracking so much and he also deliberately trashes uh aoc hold on let me find this um uh I got to say, as you've talked about Representative Ocasio-Cortez, she can put her name behind stuff. That, and that's, I guess, courageous. But when it's a damaging idea or bad policy, like her tweeting out that fracking is bad in the middle of a presidential debate when we're trying to win Western Pennsylvania, that's not anything like a team player. And honestly, giving a false and ineffective promise to people that makes it very difficult to win areas where President Trump is most popular in campaigns. Um, I don't know. I mean, this guy just like sucks so bad. And it's also, you know, a lot of the people that I mean, as you mentioned, the people that lost their races are moderates, you know, and even in some of the states where Trump won, like Florida, I mean, they passed a $15 minimum wage. Uh, They have uh, people voted on progressive policies like Mm -hmm. the the agenda that um you know, of universal health care, it's like really, really popular. I think that, I don't know, I don't even think that these people really mean what they're saying. I think that it is all just like kind of, you know, pleasing their donors and then working back from there. It's completely inauthentic. Even they know that it's not about winning elections because centrism just loses again and again, you know? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I completely agree. And I also think that the that the argument itself is, again, it's operating from Republican talking points as so many centrist, center, right, dem arguments do. And to my knowledge, no one in the House who was trying to regain their seat or, uh, you know, challenge a swing district was running on defund the police. Um And AOC talked about that as well. She said, so the whole progressivism is bad argument just doesn't have any compelling evidence that I've seen when it comes to defund and attacks of socialism. People need to realize that these are racial resentment attacks. You're not going to make that go away. You can make it less effective. Um, And that's and then she goes on to say that you can like invest in, in year round deep canvassing again, have a more robust digital presence and 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 also that you can't run away from conversations about race because Republicans are very comfortable talking about race in a uh, obviously a horrifying way, um, and it's to me it it's kind of like um, how there are some like centrist lib uh, politicians who like still treat abortion like it's a four-letter word like just like they'll say women's reproductive health but they don't say abortion and i and i just think that like it's not helping the cause if you're treating it like it's taboo still um because it should be it's a normal thing it should be can normalized than that because and again every ass every asshole on Fox news is saying abortion a thousand times an hour. <laughs> like, yeah. So. I, I do think that part of the reason they are choosing to come after progressive so hard is that there are more of them now, you know, and as Ryan Grimm pointed out on Twitter, they have more power, especially now that the Democrats have lost some seats in the house. Like, you know, those votes, you know, not just from the squad, but from Jayapal uh, from Ro Khanna, like they those votes are needed now like mm-hmm. Pelosi's not going to be able to get shit through if they and also with not... the, a bunch of the incoming freshmen yeah yeah I no, it's uh it's definitely yeah the squad is is uh is bigger now although yeah although I don't know like <laughs> at what point do we stop calling it the squad but um I, I'll, you know, I'll it's never like, stop yeah I mean this this narrative like there's just nothing to show that it is based on anything i mean donald trump he won 2016 and he won on like a very um you know anti-elitist 
pro-working class message. And obviously it was all bullshit and it was completely fake. And like, you know, I don't really have uh, too much sympathy for the people that didn't see through it. But, you know, it's, um, I mean, like, I think, you know, Biden, he won in spite of his like terrible neoliberal policies, which were soundly repudiated in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we uh, I think we we might have uh, Kate and I might have might have briefly touched on this article in um, in our Patreon episode. But um, there was an article called like the left is not going back to brunch. And it does talk about like the work that is cut out for us um, in a Biden administration, even though even though Joe Biden is running to like in some ways is running to Hillary's left in uh, from 2016. That's not, I mean, that's not that much of an accomplishment and that's not I a mean, super but he was high to bar right to on plenty of, Yeah. He was to her right on oh, plenty sure, of things too. Sure, like, sure, sure. You know, she was, she was proposing the Medicare age at, you know, 55 and, you know, Joe Biden is proposing lowering it to 60, which it's like, I mean, you know, <laughs> These Georgia, which is the state that will determine the outcome of whether Democrats have the Senate or not. It's just like, my God, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Like, do you not think that there are, you know, plenty of people who want uh, their health insurance costs to be dramatically reduced or don't have health care at all because they were laid off from their job or just can't afford their massive premium payments anymore like yeah. are they i mean medicare is tried and true it's you know even apart from medicare for all like which is extremely popular i mean right. like are there really a ton of people out there saying you know please 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 do not give me free health care i'm only 52 years old i know no, it's not real this is a completely manufactured narrative and also it's like we can't be afraid of these issues. And the reason why the people, again, you know, as you said, the people uh, who ran on these issues, even in swing districts, one is because, yeah, something like Medicare for All, it polls, the, the majority of Americans when polled uh, see it favorably now. Um, and that's why, and the, again, that's why the argument that anyone was running on defund the police uh is not accurate even though like there are a lot of definitely like a lot of um like local activists and um local candidates all over the country who absolutely are i'm sure it doesn't have the same polling numbers as medicare for all because unfortunately for whatever fucking reason (laughs) the the gallup does a poll every year of like faith and institutions uh, which is hilarious. And this year, 2020, was the lowest the police uh, polled in terms of favorability, and it was still 48% favorable, <laughs> which is cuckoo. But yeah, um, I mean, there's this other related take I've seen recently, which is that the reason that Democrats didn't do as well as expected is because of wokeness um but so funny um i mean that's really dumb because one it like isn't distinguishing between like just you know kind of like the cultural views of rank and file people on the left online or whatever um and what these politicians are actually running on who they are their records you know and while no doubt there are definitely people who are you know very put off by robin d'angelo or somebody online accusing them of mansplaining or whatever like (laughs) i don't understand how you can be a materialist and think that that is what is going to influence uh elections you know um it's i i don't know i mean uh defund the police was just not as you mentioned, it was just not something that people are running on, you know. Uh, I mean, there were very few people running on uh, abolishing ICE. Not that those aren't material issues anyway. Totally. But, I mean, it's and just, no, those are, yeah. those are again, it's operating from the Republican talking points, which is like, yeah, the Republicans, the re- Republican attack ads accused all these, baselessly accused a lot of these Democratic candidates of running on defund the police. 
um, which was a lie. So you just need to be better at (laughs) kind of like repudiating the lies. Um, But it's, you know, it's not just the, it's not just the left that's saying this um, today when, you know, it came out that Doug Jones, who was, I think, the only Democratic senator to lose his seat in Alabama. Is it Alabama? I can't remember. I can never remember. Alabama, yeah. Alabama. He's the guy that beat Roy Moore, the pedophile, the pedophile. that picked up on I, teens at the mall. Yeah. I mean, we we stand a king. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is what Doug Jones said. Um, he said, Stacey Abrams' work in Georgia should be... Uh, a model for the party's work in individual states while he contends that, quote, the DSCC and the DCCC spend too much time investing in candidates and not the electorate. They don't invest in House districts. They don't invest in states. And that's essentially the same thing the AOC was saying, and she quote tweeted it, and she was like, if you think I'm being like a selfish bomb thrower, I hope you'll listen when Doug Jones says it. And so someone, you know, someone else pointed out that, like, this is not an ideological argument, almost. It's like a structural, strategic prop argument, you know? Um, I mean, it's ideological as well. It's just... I I don't know. I mean, mean, yeah, like, yeah, I, I mean, certainly ideology intersects with it, absolutely. But, like, if you're going to take... I think the structural aspect of it is you should be tailor making campaigns based on the electorate, not based on not based on retrofitting a candidate that you want to a campaign, which is what happened with like Amy McGrath. Yeah. Even Jamie Harrison to some extent, you know? Yeah. I Um, mean, yeah. It's really frustrating because I think like the Democratic Party knows that there is not this great mass of people out there saying, yes, we love neoliberalism, more neoliberalism, please. Like, this is not real. Um, The policies of the Clinton administration in the 1990s, the trade deals were extremely unpopular, were part of the reason that Trump won because people got fucked over so hard. Uh, The slashing of the quote unquote welfare state, you know, I mean, like these things have had devastating consequences for people as well as the uh, massive growth of the prison industrial complex and the damage wrought by neoliberalism is obvious to many, many, many people. And it is the reason that so many stood out and that so many voted for Trump in 2016. Um, they know that it's not true. It's just, it's trying to manufacture consent for like the MSNBC, uh, the people who are just like watching cable news all the time and really thinking like, oh, you know, we have to do this one thing because it's electable. And no doubt there are like, you know, very racist people who are like, oh yeah, we can never defund the police or whatever. Or maybe even people who just don't understand what it means. But you know, with other things like lowering the Medicare age to, I don't know, fucking 50. Like, I I just, <laughs> that shit's extremely popular. Mm-hmm. Student loan forgiveness, extremely popular. I mean, it's not. Yeah. And, and you then know, there's some stuff that's not popular, but it's moral. You yeah. Know? Oh, Abolishing totally. ICE. Totally. Defunding the police. And it's just, um. I don't know. It's just really, really, really frustrating that I, I so will many say, people I will say are I, just fully trapped in this like cable news brain shit where like people like Connor Lamb or Nancy Pelosi or former spook Abigail Spanberger or whatever <laughs> can like just come out there and uh, manufacture consent for this idea that centrism equals pragmatism equals electable. Yeah. And no, I, I completely agree with you. And, you know, of course, there might be some districts where uh, a leftist wouldn't win. And maybe they're again, but that but you have to you have to put the electorate of that district first. You can't just keep running centrist because Bill Clinton was a two term president, which is I really do think the basis of so much of centrism is 
the way forward. I do think that that's so much of, of that particular kind of ideology. And unfortunately, I do think that there are some, obviously they're extremely wrong, but I do think that there are too many people in the, like, the democratic sphere who really do believe that. Um, obviously, it serves their bottom line as well. Uh, so to keep pushing shit like that. But yeah, people hold up Bill Clinton because he was a two-term president and he, like, even a, a just like a national sex scandal and an impeachment uh, wasn't enough to to tank his approval rating that much. And yeah. it's just like he and Barack Obama were both extremely extremely charismatic. Um, Barack Obama was like a once-in-a-lifetime candidate, and I think that that's another... And he also, in 08, he ran on... He ran on a more robust platform than what he delivered. Um, and, yeah, and I think they hold Barack Obama and bill clinton up as these are two guys who won two terms each and therefore centrism good and that is for so many reasons wrong and stupid and i hate it but i you know, yeah would love to get out of it yeah you know who i mean uh architect one of the architects of the strategy of the the party uh the dccc and the dscc going as hard as they can against progressives with no evidence that that actually increases election victories and actually much evidence to the contrary is friend of the show rahm emanuel of course yeah is being floated for a role in a biden administration and uh rahm emanuel as noted in Ryan Graham's awesome book, We've Got People, is just responsible for the Democratic Party losing so many seats. And it is very frustrating to see, I don't know. I mean, it's like, I don't... The Democratic Party loves to recycle losers. That's... Yeah, they do. That's what happens over and over and over again. And it's at kind of like all levels of the party. That's why you have you know, someone like Beto losing and then running for president, losing a Senate seat, running for president. Uh, John Ossoff losing his house race, running for Senate. Um, you know, that's why I think Stacey Abrams did like the most noble and efficacious thing that she could do, which is when people were like, you should run for president. She was like, no, I'm going to work on voter registration. And she you know, she did that. It, like eight hundred thousand new voters were were registered in Georgia in the last few years. Yeah, although I feel like she's getting like all the credit for that, and there she were is. also like she so is. many organizations on the ground in Georgia. Oh, so completely. Like, completely. She did a good thing, but she did. She, no, she no, she was. It was. It was not. A, it was not a singular effort. Certainly. Yeah. Um, but. But yeah, that's you know that would that was just to say that. You know, again, the Democratic Party loves to loves to boost people to fail up, um, even though and Amy McGrath is the same thing. I think she also lost she lost another race in Kentucky before they put her up for for Senate. She um, lost a House race, right? I don't remember. I exactly, don't remember. But I think so. We also noted yeah. a lot about Rom. If you if you're if you're a newer listener to the show, we do have a an entire episode, uh, a drag his ass dedicated specifically to Rahm Emanuel. Um, it's one of my favorites. Um, it was with, that was with, uh, Spectre and Rohan, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really fun that's one. That's really but, funny. I mean, definitely one of the most villainous people in the Democratic Party. Easily. And should not have a role in anything ever. Not on TV. Not, uh, in elected office, not in a cabinet position, not as a consultant, not as an advisor. Not within. Rahm Emanuel deserves a role. In I the, don't know in the what. bottom of the ocean. I in the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. I and sleeping also, with the fishies, as they say in amen. the mafia. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and same thing with John Kasich. It's like, why are we listening to a Republican about what's a good strategy for Democrats? John Kasich couldn't even even though he endorsed joe biden he didn't really stump for him at all and he you know he's criticizing 
like Ilhan Omar and AOC and Trump ended up winning Ohio by eight points. So it's like, thanks for all your help. <laughs> it's, I don't yeah, know. No, I mean, he absolutely sucks. None of these Lincoln Project schools did anything helpful. There are no moderate Republicans that no. voted for Biden, except for the guys who are out there fucking talking about it every day. If you are a Republican, you're going to vote Republican. There are not that many regular people who are like, oh, you know, I am a Republican, but Trump is rude. Like, that's just a non, um, a non-significant yeah. demographic. It's John, of John Kasich and, and Cindy McCain, end of list. Yeah, and everybody, everybody absolutely knows it. Yeah. Like, everybody absolutely knows it. And it is, it's a completely manufactured narrative to justify the Democratic Party continuing to center corporations instead of policies that will help working people and... You know, it's very frustrating to see the extent that it works. But I mean, do you really think that there's any group of people that are like out there being like, you know, what's really important to me is that the guy who wrote Prop 22 has a role in a Biden administration. (laughs) Yeah. And they're talking about like, again, like obviously Rom's name being floated is just so fucking offensive to everyone uh, and or should be offensive to everyone with a a beating heart in this country. Yeah. but also Eric Garcetti, who is uh, the mayor of Los Angeles, who's so unpopular. And, uh, you know, we've, we I think we've talked about him on the sh- on the show before. But again, just recycling these deeply unpopular figures to the highest offices in the country. <sighs> That's I mean, I think uh, I I do feel really emboldened. I don't know if you've you've noticed, but now that. Now that Joe Biden has has won, um, I do feel much better about shitting on the Democratic Party with impunity. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. I mean, <laughs> look, I want to have some empathy for the Democratic Party, too. Like, there's a way that I can I can relate to them because I also love losers. Yeah, I mean, amen. I have loved losers for the past, you know, several decades and. I mean, it's just it's been a really important part of my life. Like, sure. I get it, you know, like, you know, you feel you, you feel a certain, you know, pity, but it's easy to confuse with love. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's something that we're all working on. But <laughs> um, yeah. the, the Democratic Party needs to stop pity fucking all these losers and yeah, acting like no. they're great because they're not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, oh, man, just like such a weird mixture of cable news brain and consumption of the West Wing. Um, and just, I don't know, man. I'm, I mean, I'm just truly really just like I'm so glad I, I'm just so glad that I that I never got into that show, because back in my in my shameful neolib days, I know that if I had watched it, I would have. Oh, God, I, I shudder to think who I would be. If I had watched it in its entirety. So should we talk for a second about uh, the coup? The, the coup, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how seriously are you taking this possibility? I guess of I, Trump refusing to leave office. So I wasn't taking it that seriously until today, honestly. Um, and we are recording this on Tuesday, the tenth. So, you know. I was just kind of banking on the fact that, like, well, Trump doesn't need to concede. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that the outgoing president needs to concede. Um, so I was just like, oh, he's just, you know, he's <laughs> he's just tweeting in all caps like he always does. But the thing that makes this different now is that um, three of three members of the of or rather two members of the Trump administration and um, the the Senate majority leader have come out in support of Trump not acknowledging, not recognizing Biden's victory. Um, and again, he still hasn't conceded. So William Barr, the attorney general, um, yesterday gave special authorization for U.S. attorneys to investigate, quote, substantial allegations of election fraud in a departure from the Justice Department's typical practice of waiting for 
all of the election results to be certified. So that's already like, I mean, William Barr is a fucking crook and he is, I mean, he will go down as like one of the most, I mean, one of the most corrupt members of the justice department in modern history. Um, and then secretary of state, Mike Pompeo was asked, um, if he will support the transition to the new administration. And, uh, we are going to play, play the clip right here of, of his answer. Is the State Department currently preparing to engage with the Biden transition team? And if not, at what point does a delay hamper a smooth transition or pose a risk to national security? There will be a smooth transition to a second Trump administration. All right. We're, we're ready. The, the world is watching what's taking place here. We're going to count all the votes. When the process is complete, there'll be electors selected. There's a process. The Constitution lays it out pretty clearly. The world should have every confidence that the transition necessary to make sure that the State Department is functional today, successful today, and successful with the president who's in office on January 20th, a minute afternoon, will also be successful. So there'll be second second Trump administration. saying So saying that he also is throwing his weight behind the president and that, again, the, the implicit is that the election was stolen and then Trump actually won uh, is out of control. Um, and then after meeting with Bill Barr, uh, Mitch McConnell said in a speech on the Senate floor that Trump was quote, 100% within his rights to look into allegations of irregularities and weigh his legal options, adding that quote, the courts are here to work through concerns. So basically, they're just trying to like throw out, even though their their usual kind of strategy, which is just banking on the Electoral College, which is designed to give victories to Republicans. Now they're saying, well, we lost both the popular vote and the Electoral College. So let's throw that out, too. Um, and I I don't think, you know. I think it's really serious that the the people of this level in the, the highest offices of of our government are just going with this fucking lunacy. But, um, but it's this is this this was from uh, an article in in Vox. Uh, it says it's unclear whether Barr's authorization of election fraud investigations will lead to anything at all, much less a second term for Trump. To get to 270 votes, Trump would need to somehow overturn the outcome of at least three states where Biden leads by 10,000 votes or more. Um, yeah, there's just in like there's nothing close to any sort of substantial claim that would qualify that disqualify that many votes rather and they keep the the phrasing that Barr McConnell and Pompeo and Trump have all used uh they they keep using the terms um you know legal votes and illegal ballots or you know basically what they're what they're insinuating is that like legal votes are white people's votes, people, people who voted for Trump and illegal ballots are everyone else. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a little more complex than that. They, you know, there's uh, ballots that were, you know, that were withheld at the post office, maybe by accident. It hasn't really become clear what exactly happened, but basically ones that got there a little later uh, past the deadline, but were postmarked by election day. And those ballots have been kind of uh, put into a, a different little pile. Uh, however, there's not enough of them to overturn the election results. And right. so, I mean, you know, I, I think that a lot of this is just to like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess... At this point, they're just relying on the fact that they think that Republican courts will will give them a victory here, which yeah. I, I don't I don't actually think is necessarily true because, I mean, it's just so clear that Trump did not legitimately win. And so, you know, it may be about sort of 
like sowing this idea that the election is completely illegitimate, which I know a lot of people are really worried about. And, you know, the right wing definitely can be violent. There's been a lot of instances of that. However, you know, I mean, we've just had four years where a huge percentage of the population did not believe that the president was legitimate. I mean, there's a ton of liberals who think that Trump was like a puppet of Putin and was installed by Russia, you know, however uh, ridiculous that is, you know. So, I mean, this is not necessarily new and it is very norm breaking and it is very scary, right? Because like, I mean, it, it seems like it could potentially even move in the direction of Trump seeing if he can get the military on his side. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's like for sure going to happen, but I mean, it's not, you know, it's it's not out of the question. So, I mean, and the Republican Party has had some like wild power grabs. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I definitely think that people are wrong to underestimate the potential danger of this. I don't think it's just for libs or whatever, but. At the same time, I don't really think that there's much chance of him being successful here, but I could be wrong. Yeah, and it also is pretty remarkable that, I I mean, obviously, like, Republicans are so uh, adept at voter suppression already. So it's like they are just so, (laughs) a lot of them, I think, are just beside themselves that they... They they did so much tampering with this election already and they their guy still lost. Like, you know, there was that story about the the California Republican Party was putting out fake uh, drop boxes for ballots. God, I didn't hear about that. Oh, yeah. And they admitted to it. That's so shitty. And so I'm again, it's like they you know, they they do everything they can. Obviously, the so many red states have uh, have purged the voter rolls. Stacey Abrams, going back to her, had to vote by provisional ballot in her own race uh, when she was running for governor because she had been purged from the voter rolls in Georgia. Um, so, yeah, I think they, you know, they've they've done everything they can in terms of voter suppression, which is their whole expressed goal, because they know that... We- <laughs> They just don't they don't want people. The Republican Party, their strategy is the less people vote, the better. Um, Lindsey Graham went on Fox yesterday and said, if we don't do something about voting by mail, we're going to lose the ability to elect a Republican in this country. Meaning if we don't get rid of vote vote by mail. (laughs) And I just I I don't know, I'm, I'm at a loss with these fucking goals and uh, I, I don't know. I I am a little a little concerned just because of how many federal judges the Trump administration has been able to uh, ram through uh, and con- confirm over the last three years, three or four years. Um, and obviously, he has appointed a third of the Supreme Court now. So I don't love that, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what what any of us are doing. I would love to just go back to being mad about Joe Biden's potential can- cabinet. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like this particular discussion wouldn't be exactly complete without acknowledging that the Democratic Party has also engaged in voter suppression and sued to make sure that the Green Party couldn't get on the ballot in several states, um, tried to... Uh, prevent voting by mail when it was a a contest between uh, Bernie and Biden to kind Mm. of pressure Bernie to drop out, to frame it as, you know, if you stay in this primary, you're killing people, you know, because then they'll have to go in person at the height of the pandemic. I mean, Kentucky was a complete debacle in the Democratic primary in areas that were going to vote for Charles Booker, most likely. And, you know, I mean, both parties do this. It's really disgusting either way. I think the Democratic Party has completely thrown in the garbage their moral standing on this issue. But at the same time, voter suppression is a real issue. And Republicans are, you know, really just uh, doubling down on that at every turn. I do want to make sure that we discuss one final topic before we close out this week and uh, i'd like to return to keith rainier for just a moment if that's okay yeah Yeah. keith rainier was sentenced to 120 years i am against the carceral state i don't want to be a carceral feminist 
However, you know, I I have a lot of empathy for Keith Raniere's victims. I did watch Seduced. I did is, too. I did yeah, too. I the the dramatically superior Nexium documentary. In my Absolutely. Opinion. If you're gonna, if you haven't watched either one, and you're th- just like just get a, a subscription to stars for a month or something and watch actually you can probably get a free trial and watch it all in like a day it's i mean it's a, it's a lot but it's the stars documentary seduced about nexium and keith ranieri is so much better and you immediately from the first episode understand why he's going to jail for 120 years yeah um yeah i mean the vow like in light of watching Seduce, the vow just seems like it was like straight up Mark Vicente propaganda. And I completely gross. agree. Mark Vicente uh, comes across so much worse and just so much more of a villain uh, as he should. Um, you know, uh, I'm glad that he he got out or whatever after his wife. After his wife did, his wife was like one of the first big big people to 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 get out but yeah uh keith ranieri absolutely fucking disgusting and people still i guess is he being held in brooklyn yeah he's still in brooklyn because yeah the the i mean there are still he still has like devoted devoted followers uh even though a few of the members of his his inner circle ended up testifying against him. It seemed like that only happened because so that they could get a reduced sentence like Lauren Saltzman. Yeah. Anyways, watch Seduced. Watch Seduced. I, I kind of hope that they make a third Nexium documentary. Honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed, but, uh, um, well, they, they are doing another season of the vow. So I am going to watch that. I don't even know though if I, I think... can watch the vow. I mean, it's, I mean, probably will watch it, but it's so fucked up. I know. I, mean, I think, like, I think I am going to watch it. Just because I can't get enough of Keith Ranieri's just garbage spewing. Yeah, he's horrible. Anyways, um, Keith Rainier, uh, Rahm Emanuel, Joe Biden. We don't like any of them. No, and they're um, all the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will inject if we believed no in the carceral, Yeah, if we believed in the carceral state, we would want all of them in jail for 120 years. Lock them up. I say um, I I mean I am going to I am going to lock him up uh chant at Ram Emanuel. I I I'm just like beside myself the fact that he could once again be getting a cabinet position. I want to die. Well, we will keep you posted and that is uh it for this week's reply guys, but um you know, I just want to say thanks for listening if you can uh throw in five dollars a month we would absolutely love if you became a supporter of our patreon um every little bit helps we are totally uh independently funded solely through listener contributions and uh, that is what makes this show possible so we really appreciate your support if you are able to we know it's a hard time but uh you know if you can five bucks a month access to the whole back catalog we will be back with another episode on patreon this week and again on our free feed on wednesday um have fun have fun hopefully we'll have uh, lots of news next week and <laughs> some of it will be as funny as four seasons total landscaping i don't know <laughs> no promises but we we hope Thank you so much for listening to Reply Guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's, and I'm at O Julia Tweets, O H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley 
This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.